0: All houses where men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide, with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow Sitting on a picturesque hillside in Paintsville, Kentucky, was a house that many would find charming with its wide wooden porch, complete with those dreamy white columns you envision when someone mentions a southern homestead. The orchards creeping up the hillside bring with it the scent of sugary blossoms in the spring and cozy, delicious smell of apples and pears in the fall. While it's no mansion, the house appears regal in its station on the top of the hill, and looking down into the valley of homes that continued up the holler. For many, it's the American dream to own a home like this one, with land for little ones to explore and grow on. The barn tucked neatly into the side of the hill is perfect for livestock and storing the bounty that the mountains have to offer. Yes, for many, this house would be a dream, a haven to hold and protect a family. But for me, the house holds no warmth or comfort. It is a place full of whispers and secrets, where howl and vestiges lurk in the corners of every room. This house, with its sweeping beauty, does not invoke feelings of comfort or warmth in my heart. Instead, it causes my pulse to quicken and nightmares of days gone by to dance in my dreams. And remind me that our world is filled with things that cannot be explained. Welcome to Season 2 of This House is Haunted podcast. If you're new around here, welcome to my nightmare. In the episodes to come, I'll continue telling my story spending two and a half years living in a haunted house in southeastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast... Listener discretion is advised as I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. I cupped the glass of orange juice sitting in front of me, slightly twisting it back and forth between my hands. Touching the cool, damp glass helped ground me in what I remember to be a very heavy moment. I was in my mamma's sunny kitchen, feeling warm and well-rested for the first time in months, but here was the shadow of the house, touching me with its errant darkness, even in this hallowed place. I sighed, and looked up into my grandmother's dark, soulful eyes that were flicked with amber lights, and knew that she would believe me, that she wanted to help lessen my burden. As if hearing my thoughts, she said, you're far too young to be looking at me like that, young'un. She held her hand out to me, and even in its diminished state, I knew it would be warm and reassuring. Once my fingers were laced with hers, I began to talk. The words that had been held inside of me for the last several weeks flowed like venom from a wound, and I heard for the first time my fears said aloud. I spoke quickly never allowing the fear that had gripped me so tightly to consume me before I could finish. I talked about the whispers, of the ever-present shadows, of the sounds, and lastly I told her that I'd been held down by hands that couldn't be there. I saw her wince when I described I felt like there was nothing I could do, that I stayed up to make sure nothing happened to Molly. She listened patiently offering pats of consolation and encouraging nods to keep me sharing until the words had all been washed forth and I sat down, spent and shaken from reliving the nightmares. Without saying a word, she stood, walked towards me and wrapped her arms around my quivering elbows. After several moments of silently sobbing into her nightgown, she took one hand and placed it on top of my head the other, she kept on my right shoulder. I didn't hear any words, but when I looked up, her lips were solemn and moving soundlessly. After several seconds, I heard her say, And praise his holy name, amen. I felt the power of her words, the conviction behind them, and in that moment she was not my mamma, who was riddled with sickness, but a devout woman of faith who was sharing her spiritual energy with me. She hadn't asked any questions. She hadn't tried to explain away what I'd experienced. She had simply listened. My vision blurred, and I realized I was crying great hot tears that were running the length of my face and neck. I held on to her, and I burrowed my head into her tiny waist as if my tears might wash her from the very ground on which she stood. I cried for all the fear and confusion, for all the nights with no sleep, for the frustration that this thing was targeting me, playing so hatefully with me. After several moments had passed, I pulled back from Mamaw, pulling up the collar of my shirt to wipe my face free from all the tears staining it. Mamaw, in true Southern matriarch form, tisked me and said, "Now don't go stretching that collar out." and handed me a lace-embroidered cloth handkerchief she kept in her pocket. It was soft and smelled faintly of lavender. It smelled like her, like comfort, and I was reluctant to use something so beautiful just to wipe my face, but she insisted. Once I had gathered myself, Mamma said, Some of this sunshine will do us some good. Let's get out on the porch for a bit. Mamma's porch wasn't the typical wood that you would see on most homes in the holler. It was poured concrete, which was more resistant to the flooding that plagued the area. Below it was a sort of makeshift basement where she stored items that weren't in use. The porch itself was surrounded in hanging baskets of petunias in nearly every color. The furniture included a set of metal chairs and a large glider made of the same material. They'd all been painted white by my mama a few days before, and I figured they must weigh a lot because they never moved when you sat down. The sun was shining brightly on the chairs, and this is where mamma chose to sit, so I sat next to her. Mamma sat for several seconds just watching my and sister in the garden, my sister's laughter ringing as my mom began to prance around, no doubt from a bee getting too close for comfort. Mamaw smiled, and I found myself smiling too, in spite of the heaviness I'd just felt moments before. That mama of yours never did care much for bees. Carries on something awful when they get too close. I nodded, thinking I wasn't much better when it came to creepy crawlies. But they got their place in this world much the same as you and me. Without them, our gardens wouldn't be much to look at at all. All living things have their place in this world. We've got purpose, each of God's creatures. This seemed to give her pause as she turned and looked deeply into my eyes. But everything ain't God's creatures. The devil's had his hands in this world since he fell, and he don't care too much for being lonely, so he created... other things. Things that ain't got no right fooling with the matters of living folks. Things that hide in shadows, that prey on the weak and the young. Things that only exist to make people question their faith or abandon it altogether. But I think you know that already. A chill went down my spine and I felt my shoulders tighten. I knew all too well that some things were not... right. there were things that got pleasure out of tormenting. And I nodded and she went on. That don't mean they got power over you, honey. She took my hand and squeezed it. Whatever you're dealing with, it's got some good tricks, I'll give you that, but it ain't living. You've got a power it can't touch, the gift of free will, the gift of life itself, and the power that comes from loving and being loved. She looked at me earnestly, the determination I saw glinting back at me, calming me in spite of her confirming my worst fears feels wrong to have a conversation like this with a girl your age. But I ain't doing you any favors putting my head in the sand when you have to go back to that place tomorrow. Tomorrow. The weekend was going by so fast. I wanted to slow time down to stay in the warm house that felt more like home than any place I'd ever lived. I knew Mama wanted to get back home to help Daddy with some fencing and that we had painting that needed doing on the front porch, but put knots in my stomach to think of going back to the house. Would things be worse when I got back? Would it somehow know that I'd been to see Mamaw? Would it punish me for leaving? Mamaw's voice broke my train of thought, she said. There's good and bad in this world, Tina, and the sooner you know that, the better. What you've got in that house, it ain't good for nobody, even if you're the only one that sees it. Things like that gobble up fear and hurt like your brother does apple stack cakes. And it's smart, showing itself to only one person. Mamma seemed to be thinking out loud now, but I listened with rapt attention. Makes it easier if it divides the family. People been using that trick for years, divide and conquer. I thought of all the times I'd heard or seen things and tried to tell my family... And the only thing it got me was concerned looks and talks about sending me to a specialist because they hadn't experienced anything aside from hearing the scratching in the walls, which they believed to be mice. Perfectly plausible explanation. Except I had seen things move. I had seen the thing in the shadows lurking in the rafters of the barn. I had watched as my sister was pushed. I had heard the voices whispering all hours of the night. I had been held down in my sleep, and I would suffered a thousand tiny scares since moving into that house. Everything Mamaw was saying made sense, but didn't offer me any answers. I spoke up. So what do I do? It's so hard, Mamaw. I can't sleep. I'm worried something will happen to me, to Molly. I thought of my sister being rushed to the emergency room in the middle of the night. I felt tears welling up at the feeling of helplessness, but I inhaled and pushed them back. Mamaw said, I have something in mind, and squeezed my hand one more time before standing to go back into the sunroom. After a couple of minutes of sitting with the sun shining on my face, I closed my eyes and was startled when I heard Mamaw sit back down beside me. After opening my eyes, I saw that she was holding a small, maroon-colored book in her hand. She lifted it towards me, and I took it, the gold lettering on the front spelling out Holy Bible. It looked new and had the appearance of being bound in a soft leather material. That's for you, Mamaw says, still holding a green book of the same size. Got one for your sister, too, although I think it's a little beyond what she's reading right now. I knew she'd cause a big stink if I got you something and I didn't get her one, too. I nodded sagely, knowing that there would have been an all-out wrestling match with my sister over a gift that Mamaw gave one and not the other. She was wise, after all. I opened the pages, flipping through them, and noticed some drawings of different scenes, like the nativity and the ark, that my mama had been telling us stories about since we were babies. I looked up, a little confused, and Memo answered, "'Only good can call out evil. "'That book, well, it's about the strongest weapon "'any of us got against something meaning us harm.' I continued flipping through the pages until I got to a bookmark of a gold cross. On the page, some of the words were underlined. Mam'mal nodded and said, "'Do not be overcome by evil, "'but overcome evil with good.' Romans 12, 21. The Bible had always seemed slightly confusing to me when I wasn't reading one that was meant for Sunday school. The big names and the unfamiliar way of speaking felt disjointed to me. But this, this I understood completely. I continued flipping and came across another marked verse that read, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Mamaw's voice read aloud, Several more pages were marked, and each time I touched a page, Memaw recited it from memory. Once reaching the end of the book, I looked up, still trying to understand how quotes from a book, even with it being the Bible, was going to keep anything away that was so dark. Words have power, Tina, especially these words if you believe them. I felt ashamed as she said this, still so young and so unsure about so many things in life. My family hadn't regularly attended church, but my mom had always kept a Bible in the house. My sister and I said nightly prayers with Mama, but our Sundays were mostly spent keeping up with chores around the farm. I felt like even with these words, because I wasn't sure myself of what they meant, that they wouldn't help deter the thing in the shadows. I saw my mamma sitting there, practically glowing in her faith, and I felt even younger and smaller, She had years to build up her beliefs. To find her way in the world, I was just a kid. None of this was fair. She must have seen the turmoil in my face because she took my hand again. It ain't right that this has happened to you, my girl. If I could take it all away, I would. I've talked to your mama a few times, but she's been so worried about me, I'm afraid she's not registering that there's a real danger in her home. People tend to have trouble understanding things they can't see or touch, especially when their senses are dulled by pain and grief. She pulled my hand, encouraging me to stand, and I did so, walking towards her and feeling her wrap me in the warmth of her embrace once again. I've told her you all could move in here, but I think she's worried about... Here she hesitated her grandmotherly intuition making her choose her words carefully so as to protect me. How I'll be in the next few months. Says I need quiet that you girls are all but that. I grinned in spite of myself, thinking of how Mom had sang along with us all the way here. We weren't the only ones who weren't quiet, but I kept my thoughts to myself. When you're scared, promise me you'll read one of these passages out loud. "'Things don't get better. Read it again until you feel stronger. "'Or until whatever is pressing on you lets up.' "'I nodded, thinking Molly wouldn't be getting much sleep "'if I stayed up all night reading these passages out loud. "'At this point, I would try just about anything to get some peace in the house. "'If only this book had an answer for what it was, why it was in my house. "'If it was described somewhere, I wouldn't feel so alone, so helpless.' was power in words but there's also power in shared experiences. The sound of my sister and my mama walking up the steps broke my concentration and it wasn't long before Molly rang the length of the porch and then abruptly stopped as if remembering she couldn't leap directly onto Mama's lap anymore. She approached more slowly and then wrapped her arms around Mamma's neck placing sweaty kisses on her cheeks. You should see all the green beans we got, Mamaw. Mama said we can work on breaking them up out here on the porch if you're feeling good enough. Wait, what's that? In a jealousy mixed with curiosity, lacing her voice as she noticed the book in my hand. Mamaw, not missing a beat, reached the green book towards Molly. It's your own Bible. I figured it was time you and your sister had your own. Molly, obviously proud to be old enough to receive such a gift from Mamaw, beamed. "'It's beautiful, Mamma. She opened it, frowning. "'Seems like it's missing some pictures, though!' Mamaw laughed and said, "'This is the big girl version. They have less pictures.' Molly raised a brow. "'Well, I don't see why big girls wouldn't want to look at pictures, too!' With this exclamation we all laughed, including Molly. Mama playfully swatted at my sister. All right, big girl, let's get these beans washed up so Tina and Mamma can help us get 'em broke up. Laughing, my sister skipped towards the patio door, waving Mama on enthusiastically. When they'd gone inside, Mamma looked at me and said, I wish you didn't have to go through this more than I wish for anything else. But we play the cards we're dealt, and Lord knows we ain't the dealer." I nodded as if any of this made sense, as if I agreed that this was something that I would have to endure. I thought for the millionth time that I wish my family could see and hear and feel the wrongness of the house. That Daddy had seen the thing in the shadows perched in the barn loft like an oversized amended spider. That Bubby had seen Sissy pushed from behind that Mama had seen the paper moving up the wall. But wishes couldn't change anything, and all I had in my arsenal was a book I could barely read. I felt tired and defeated, and Mamaw, standing, said, "'If all else fails, wake everyone in that house up. "'Yes, they might take you to a doctor, "'but anyone who talks to you will find out you've got all your marbles.'" or as many as anyone in this family is born with. Then your mama and daddy ain't got much choice but to believe you. In between, you come here to visit as often as you like. This won't last forever, Tina, I promise. Lord knows I'm no expert in any of this. All I know is that you're amongst the living, and the living have dominion over the dead. That thing wouldn't be creeping around picking on young'uns if it was any count." It's a bottom feeder, and you can tell it I said so. Seeing Memo get riled put a little steel back in my spine. She was right. Picking on kids didn't exactly belie a creature of great power. That's what bullies did. As I followed Memo back into the house to help with cleaning the green beans, I felt my resolve build. Memo was right. Least something bottom of the barrel would pick on a little kid, would hide in the shadows, would play games like this. I felt anger instead of fear as I decided right then and there I would read every single verse Mamaw had underlined every night before bed. I would ignore the whispers and sleep with the walkman Mama had gifted my sister and I. I would take back the power it had taken from me. And with that, I spent the remainder of my time at Mamma's being a little kid, laughing and playing and ignoring the hacking cough that rattled in her lungs. I pushed back the feeling of helplessness that had gripped me for months. This thing was a bully, and I, like the rest of my family, didn't take too kindly to the likes of bullies. Well, hello, there creeps. Welcome back to the hills and hollers of Eastern Kentucky. You've traveled with me to one of my core memories visiting my Mama in the house that later became my home of fourteen years. I'm so glad you joined me once again on my story about the house even if we have detoured to mammals for a couple of episodes. I wish I could say the worst is behind us, but I'd be lying. I wanted to also share that there will not be a new episode the week of the 16th, as that's my birthday, and I'll go out and do a little living. A new episode we'll post the following week. If you enjoy the show, please, please, please remember to like, and most importantly, subscribe, as that helps the podcast grow. I'm a one-woman show, so every like, share, and review just makes me smile. It would also mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to help bring new listeners to the pod. You can also find this House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram for updates and photos. Until we meet again, keep it creepy, and don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.